Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I am still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Stephanie Herrera. Stephanie is a insurance broker and an actor who had a career in sales prior to pursuing her career in acting. We met when I was selected as a judge for the Ontario International Film Festival. It was so much fun. Stephanie is the director of this film festival. It was so much fun to be a judge and watch these amazing Canadian, woo, Canadian films. As I say in this episode, and I still feel this now, if you are a Canadian filmmaker who made a film in Canada, period, that deserves a round of applause. But adding on, if you're a Canadian filmmaker who successfully makes a film in Canada during a pandemic, all of my hats are lifted and raised to you. Hats off to you. Let's continue to support these incredible Canadian filmmakers. Let's boost up this film industry. And Stephanie is one of those people who is a huge champion for Canadians and their content in film and television. Please enjoy the hilarious, the inspirational and motivating Stephanie Herrera. about you this morning. I was talking to my husband and because um, I was thinking, how did we actually meet? And I know we've never actually met in person, but was it, was it, I know Ontario, the film festival, Ontario International Film right. Festival, my husband and I were both judges, yeah. but did we know each other before that? I don't, I don't know. Were you suggested by someone like Taz or no, no, because Taz was, no, Taz was a judge because he's in the stunt world. To Zito. Yeah. I don't no, know it's funny how we met. <laughs> I just linked up with Taz like this. Oh, okay. So it wasn't through so Taz. So I don't think that was it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so strange. I think that happens a lot in our industry, yes. right? Where you, you, you're like, I don't know how I met this person. I feel like I know them. I'm sure we met them at some point, virtually or non, a class somewhere. I don't know. All I know is that. Yeah. She seems really fun yeah. and nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we speak each other's language. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what? Judging the Ontario International Film Festival was so much mm. fun. It was such a lovely, it was a lovely way for my husband and I to both do something film together because he's not really in the industry, but he loves film yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. And just being able to watch some of these films that, you know, honestly, I would never would have had the opportunity exactly, to see. Exactly, exactly. Oh, it was, we had such a fun oh, time. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, definitely uh, help us out next year because that's just it. I have oh. a lot of judges that come back and I'm the same way. I have, uh, I've been judging film festivals for, gosh, at least five years now, if not more. And there are still movies to this day that like haunt me in a good way that I'm just like, oh my God, yep. no one will ever see that. <laughs> one of the few people and I've even gone so much as to search out some films um, and they and the film festivals are like yeah here's their links and they're available I'm like good we need to start sharing these like people need to see these films yeah it's really nice well so much film gets made that we just again we never get to see because I mean we just see whatever is on the streaming what have you but and especially some of the Canadian content right like obviously I like we were we did a lot of some cool international films we were judging too but some of the Canadian ones I was just like yes you made a movie in Canada during a pandemic like gold star yeah yeah exactly and you know what and it was really nice to be I always judge the films and then do my score and then I look at everyone else's because I don't want it to influence me mm. so I marked yeah. this one did you see the one it was about two brothers in a parking lot and they kind of bump into each other and they had that fight it was yes. I it was like yeah it was pretty good and I marked it and then I started reading it was like it took me like 10 minutes to figure out he was the same actor I'm like pardon <laughs> I went back and I gave it like I went like I had to watch it again I was blown away by this actor who literally looked different went home and and also to go home shave the beard off come back do the whole thing I was like he gets so many props it was well written yeah 
that was uh, yeah i do remember that one and i remember and this one and of course i'm having a brain blank about what the actual movie is called that's terrible but it'll stick with me forever the one about the um waste man people who work at waste management in edmonton oh okay yeah yeah the documentary about it and it was all about because they hire people who've been um, in the prison system and so they have a really difficult time finding work and even and it was all about you know finding some of the some of the crazy stuff they find when sorting yeah. people's trash, and then the connections that they made between like these human beings feeling like they're trash, and mm. like, society not wanting them anymore, but now they feel like they're accepted in society. Well, like they have a job, they have a purpose. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> so good. <laughs> I was like, take take all the ten out of tens. It was so oh, good, amazing, yeah, great. Oh. <laughs> well, tell me your story. How did you get into the acting world? Oh gosh, I think I'm one of those kids. I always called myself a look at me, look at me kid. I was always like, mommy, and and I remember that I was in dance because I wanted to do that. I remember I was in a commercial when I was young. I guess I I just wanted to be on television. Unfortunately, I was with a you know growing up with a single mom who's you know too tired and, and doesn't have the time to to really, you know, drive me into age. And also my first memories are in Kitchener. I was born in Toronto, but we, um, my mom went back to university. She went to the University of Waterloo. So my first memories are there, but that's where we did the, the, um, the commercial. And I have no idea how, like, I don't remember auditioning. I remember auditioning for some other things, but that one I just was on set. Like that's my memory of being on set. Um, so I've always had a desire. I've always been, you know, the lead in all the school plays. I've always been sort of like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I could memorize speeches. I, I want I was like at the semifinals of this huge speech competition for all the schools in the area and stuff. And it was one of these things where I just, uh, yeah, I just had a, a desire for it and a, a, I guess a skill because people were applauding and putting me, you know, in, in front of other people all the time. Um, so I guess it started young. Professionally, I guess I took a real good go at it in my 20s. I went to uh, York University for theater because that was sort of the where I had grown up in at that point and um but I switched over to the playwriting stream and uh because I couldn't find any good Canadian content to audition with (laughs) like honestly I was in theater books in Toronto and I was on the floor and I'd gone through so many books I'm like everything's crap that's it Like, and I and I went uh, back to my dorm and I called and I said, when is the playwriting submission? And they're like, tonight. And I just printed up stuff that I'd written in high school that had been performed and things that I did in my creative writing class and sent in and got in it. And I went that stream. Um, I also went to York University because it was the only school that ha- at the time had a degree. And I thought I was going to be a teacher. I was like, I'm going to be a drama teacher. I'm going to live out my life. Like my drama teacher, she's to the, she, I would go back and visit like five years, 10 years later. She looked the same. She was the most relaxed. And I would like, <laughs> she just loved her job. And I would say to her, Deb, this is amazing. And she goes, I love, I have the best job in the world. I just watch talent. That's all she did. And uh, so I'm like, that's what I want to do. So I went there specifically for that reason. So I had a goal in mind to be a teacher with that acting sort of undercurrent. So all through university, I was in theater. Um, and then in my 20s, I'm like, I'm going to give it a try. And I had terrible agents. <laughs> the, first, the first couple agents I had were terrible. And uh, it wasn't until after the family, uh, we moved out to Durham Region. I have a family, me and my husband. And um, again, I was just in improv and doing my theater stuff. And coming back to it really in my late 40s, uh, to, to really do it again. And it feels like I'm doing it fresh, to, to be honest with you. It's kind of like it's new now. <laughs> oh. What were you doing in that time um, from 20s to 40s? What were you doing in that um, So that's sort of, I guess, my first act, as you would call it. It was, I always had my, my foot in some kind of play or, or doing something like that. However, I was always, um, I had a joke uh, that I'd I would tell people at like dinner parties and what it was my thing. I said, name a job I've had it or probably had something related to it. And the first thing usually people say like stripper. I'm like, no, go go dancer. And like they're like, what? And they'd say, you know, maid. I'm like, no. How, I used to clean houses. People with cats. I used to go in and vacuum. Like it was the I had these weird jobs that came out of nowhere. Um, and I just kind of was always uh, kind of pulled in. I eventually I was sucked into the corporate world because I always had. Uh, uh, jobs and um, I eventually got into sale. Okay, let me start again. So <laughs> I always had jobs in customer service of some sort. So I was in retail. I was a waitress. I've I've kind of done a little bit of customer service in in those realms. Um, 
But it was really through my work as a, like, for example, personal trainer, I was really heavy into personal training. And then one day I kind of like looked down at myself and I was in a suit. I was selling memberships. They pulled me into sales. I was like, hey, wait a minute. This is what I signed up for. And I left that world. And then I was just doing data entry, a midnight data entry job. And the next thing I know, I looked down, I'm a suit. I'm a manager of a sales team and in a corporate world. I'm like, wait, how does this happen? Um, I was was born into multi-level marketing. My mom was in Amway, that kind of thing. So I had gone through that as well. So sales, has always been sort of my my first career, totally not by choice. But I think that has really shaped my acting. It made me um, a, a lot better. And I think customer service in general, anybody who's, uh, that's what I love about acting actors. Most of them have been waiters or waitresses um, because it's it fits really well with that customer service and being able to relate to people and work with people and, and that kind of thing. So it was... Uh, yeah, sales I think is my is the the thing that I did mostly. Yeah. It's very performative. Yeah. Customer service and sales, right? Like I Absolutely. Think it it needs so much confidence and, you know, a feeling of if I get rejected, that's okay. Exactly. I can pick myself back up and keep doing again the next day. Yeah. And that sounds like acting. Exactly. <laughs> and a lot of people are like, "How do you get over it?" I'm like, "I don't know. I I I've been doing it all the time, asking for the clothes." And when they say, "Nope." I'm like, okay, moving on to the next one. So absolutely, this is exactly what I got from that. It was also interesting um, in terms of sales, how acting also kind of helped me because my first year of um, university, well, I'm kind of in the dorm room, we're all hanging out, just chatting away. And then I said, yeah, I got to get a job. And they're like, what, you, what you're just going to go get a job? I'm like, yeah, I'm the, my mom called me the queen of jobs. I could just get jobs. And I was like, yeah, I'll just go down and figure out. There's apparently an employment center here on campus. So I walked down and I said, hi, I'm looking for a job on campus. And they said, well, there, look, there's a book. And it was like this big of just jobs at the university. And I was like, okay. So I kind of flipped there. It was like the second one. It was a night job at the business school on campus at York University to do, um, to call the alumni and ask for donations. And I kind of was like, eh. and I called them and he goes, yeah, can you come now? I'm like, sure. And I walked over to that building and uh, he looked at my resume, which I had one receptionist job in high school, but the rest of it was a little bit of retail. And like I worked at a yogurt shop, like really nothing. And he's looking at my resume. And then he said, wait a minute, you're in the theater program? And I said, yeah. And he said, so you can act like you're having a good day when you're not? I'm like, absolutely. And he's like, you're hired. And that got me that my first kind of big sales job. And then that, and I was bringing in thousands of dollars and I just go in at night. They gave me a key. I was by myself and I just got on the phone and called alumni and I was just bringing in so much money. They expanded that department because they had no idea (laughs) there was all this money that I was pulling in. It was hilarious. But I love that concept of like, wait a minute, you can act, you're hired, which doesn't happen often. (laughs) Um, But I've seen it, I, and I've seen it in customer service where I've had bad customer service, and I'm like, whoa, 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 uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> you got to pretend you're having a good day. Yeah, no, yeah, you have to get up and over that. Yeah, yeah because well, one again, that is if you're a career, or you want to be an actor. I mean, there's going to be days when you're feeling like trash, and you have to pretend to be really happy and smiley on the set of this Hallmark movie, <laughs> and yeah, you gotta. I think, yeah, there's so much translatable skills from there. And I mean, I think at baseline, every person should have a customer service job so that they don't treat people who are in customer customer service like trash when they get older and But yeah, that's great. (laughs) When you, when you, um, like in your 20s, like that kind of gap first act, was there a time in your 20s when you said, oh, I think I need to take a break from theater and playwriting and concentrate on these jobs? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it really, it even to the point where I was in, um, excuse me, I was in a um, job that was a corporate sales job. And then everyone started, I, I came up one day, someone said, so what did you get your degree in? And I was like, oh, I never finished. And they're like, what do you mean you didn't finish? I'm like, well, I got offered. I was This was a night data entry, and now suddenly I'm heading a team. And so I just I have one credit left. I never went back. They're like, Stephanie, you have to finish. So I went back to um, university to get that one credit. But it was one of those things where it was just my focus had shifted so much onto, mm. you know, how far can I get in this company, uh, money, and, you know, it's, it's about – that time of 
I don't know, being a grown up. Like to me, it was yeah. this is what being a grown up is, is getting to work mm-hmm. at nine to five. And that was it going into the office when the sun was just coming up and coming out when it was down. And I was like, wow, I'm, a, I'm no tan anymore. I was just like this mole that just worked in. And and that's how I appreciate movies. Um, they're about like office space and stuff. Like I was like, I've been there. I, I realize what it is. And I also sometimes think that there's a lot of people that actually don't have never had an office job. And it's so amazing um, to watch things like The Office and, and shows like that. I'm like, yes, <laughs> they understand my people. Because um, it's it's one of those things. And again, some people have never had landscaping jobs and that's a whole other world. But it's just this this weird dynamic of everyone yeah, sleeping with each other in the office and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's mind boggling how crazy it is. <laughs> Did that did that feeling of, oh, now I have to work the nine to five job and make the money and do the practical thing. Did that come from anywhere? Did that come from, you know, parents or was it just kind of that was what society told people to do? I think it was it's my because I'm a I'm a Gen Xer. So it's one of those we're sort of the last uh, visage of the of the old like work at a job you hate for the weekend and that's it. And, and so, don't complain. Don't complain. <laughs> well, you can, but privately or with your to friends. Your yeah, or on the weekends <laughs> when you're drinking going, fuck, I hate my job. Uh, oh my, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but it's one of those things where it's, yeah, it's it was that we saw our parents working at jobs they hated um, to provide. So that was instilled in us that it's just like get any job you can and stick with it and work as hard as you can. Because also we did see some of some parents of ours had jobs for 50 years. Like they were retiring with their job. We don't see that anymore. There's so much turnover. There's so much people pivoting and and all these entrepreneurs now. We didn't have that kind of thing. Those were crazy people (laughs) when I was young. So I come from that sort of the last line and just talking to my kids where I'm like, hey, do you want to get a job at Tim Hortons? And they're like, oh, that kind of sounds boring or unsatisfying. I'm like, what are you talking? Like, yeah, that's a job. Like that's, it's not called playtime. It's called a job for a reason. So it, it's I certainly came from that um find something make the best of it work as hard as you possibly can and gather as much money as you possibly can from it try to make as much money um from that kind of yeah yeah. what was the flip back into now what you're doing again acting um that's a really good question I guess it was we moved out to Durham region and I uh, had a job in the States at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. I was the improv and interaction director for two years, which was tons of fun. Oh but I literally packed up and left my husband for several months of the year to, and all through uh, the summer to, to do this, uh, this wonderful job. And the second year, uh, so the first year I went, I flew back for a day, got married, and then flew back to work. And everyone's like, what are you doing? I'm like, no, it's got, I got to get back. I've got performances. I have to go. So I, they like, take a day off, open your presents. I'm like, fine. So I took one day and then came back. And then my our, my honeymoon was really, my husband flew and stayed with me for a week and watched my shows and, and got to experience what I was doing that summer. The next summer I flew back, I was pregnant and so when my when our first child was born, my husband said, you can't, you got to settle in, hon. You got to find something to do here. I can't have you and our kid just going away. And I was like, okay, good, good, valid point. So I had no, I'd done no research when we moved to Durham region. And uh, so I was like, oh, I'll just connect with whatever improv community, because that was my big thing. I was just passionate about improv when I was in uh, Toronto. And I was like, I'll just whatever improv community, I'll just hook up with them. Turns out there was none. So that was really me going all right, well, I'll start one. And he's like, what? And I said, well, I'll just start some, excuse me, I'll start some classes and um, I'll take it upon myself. I'll start a school. I will train people and that, that will eventually get me back on stage and that will fulfill what I'm doing while I'm, you know, I worked at a little video shop and stuff like, cause I'm a mom now. So that was really my, my thing. Um, And I put a little article in the newspaper, first ever improv troupe for Durham region. Six people called me, they got in the class and then it just grew from there. So suddenly that eventually became my bread and butter, my baby. I started this little thing where we started doing shows. We eventually, I got to a black box theater. I worked, uh, I mean, we eventually had a roster of teachers. We were teaching everything from kids classes and adults. I was teaching, by then I was just doing the advanced classes on screen camera, voice acting, um, sketch writing. I was doing all sort of the advanced. And then I had a roster of teachers doing all the beginner classes and all the kids classes. So it was like a sustainable acting school, which was, which was great. And then that kind of after, and 
and I do have four children because I'm insane. So after my fourth one, so all of this is as I'm pregnant and having kids and kind of doing, doing that, having these two worlds working together. After my fourth was weaned and I kind of looked at her and I said, you know, I could probably start getting back into the screen acting. Maybe I should look for an agent back in Toronto and start that up again now that my youngest doesn't need me as much. And out the gate, I got a commercial that took me to Spain. So I left my poor husband with four children under the age of five. Like it was just like, I just left all the kids and I took off to Spain to shoot a commercial. That poor guy. (laughs) Uh, But it was one of those things where I just kind of, it was, it was a very eye-opening experience to come back to the acting on screen acting from being in my 20s and everyone in their 20s wants to be an actor and it's really hard to find an agent and you're scrambling over each other. But to come back in my 40s, suddenly I had two agents interested in me because mom roles are big and there's not as many uh, people in the pool. So I did very well when I came back, but that was really my thing of going, you know, when I was, it's when I'm happiest is when I'm performing. So maybe I can look into it and just so happened it worked out really well for me (laughs) to come back. Wow. Do you still do, do you still teach? Um, a little bit. Durham Improv, unfortunately, because of COVID, we were shut down for two years. And I, um, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is terrible today. Oh, um, my goodness. Uh, my, uh, so my, my life has taken many a turn. Uh, so during COVID, I did some pivoting of my own. I also have my day job. So after two years, I, I got together with my board and I'm like, I think it's done. And they're like, yeah, we, like it's sad, but it's done. It was, we started in around 2004. So it's been around for a while. So in that time, as I'm teaching at my school, I would be invited to other uh, improv or acting schools to help out. During COVID, I worked at the Milne Studio um, doing online uh, improv mm-hmm. classes for, uh, and I took two. I said, I want to do serious and I want to do comedic. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, the serious improv, we really need to work on getting those reenactment shows because most of those, have you done those? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all, they give you a scenario and you walk in a room with a perfect stranger and then you're improvising a really intense scene. Sometimes they're murdering you. Sometimes you're, you know, you're begging them to, whatever, or you're killing someone, whatever it is. It's like really intense improvised scene. And I said, a lot of people are actors are not prepared going into that room that uh, it's, it's pretty intense. So I'm going to do that class. And then I'm going to do a fun, lighthearted, how to prepare for commercial auditions. Cause sometimes that's also comedic timing, improv. Uh, and we just want to see how funny you can take this one little scene. So mm-hmm. I was doing the I was doing those two classes. So occasionally I'll come out and and do a, a workshop or two, but really not unless somebody's begging me. They're like, "We really want to do an improv class, Stephanie. Come on out. I'll pay you." And I'm like, "Fine, I'll come out and do it." <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. How do you balance your? You know, you said you have a day job now. You're still still mom and now a successful acting career, how do you balance that? And I know that's a ridiculous question, but people always ask me that same question. Yes. You know what? I And I think uh, uh, from what I've gotten, and you might agree to this, it's, it's all about your partner, uh, having yeah, a partner. And I, people ask my husband, oh, are you in the industry? He's like, God, no. And I love that. I love that about him. He's, no. yeah, eh, gross. So I always say to people like, and I've had this, I've been on uh, panels, film festivals, and I'll get a hand. How do you do it all, Stephanie, as a woman, as a young woman, I want to know how you do it. And I'm like, don't marry someone in this industry, <laughs> whatever you do, get someone with a real job and a benefit plan and you will do well. So that's what I really have to get kudos to my husband who would, you know, have me, he's coming in from his work and I'm handing him babies. I got to go, I got to show. And I would take off and, or I'd be like, quick, I went Vine. Do you remember Vine? I, we were oh, we were yeah. big Viners, and I'd get him dressed up in wigs. <laughs> like he just he goes along <laughs> with everything. When I was in theater, he was building stages, running lights for me. He was my improv. Uh, he was my um, lighting improviser. You know, bringing the lights down. Like he knew he had watched enough of it, so he knew when to edit scenes and all that stuff. So he has always been my support. So whether it's with the kids or my career, it's always been. Okay, Steph, whatever you need to do. I've often said, like, you know, maybe I should move to Vancouver. It's closer to L.A. And he's like, okay, well, I can get a job there, too. Like, his job, he's in the railroad business. So he's like, well, as long as there's railroads, I could probably get a job. Don't. So he's very flexible and easy. He just is the biggest support. So that's that's my biggest advice to anyone who ever wants to know 
how do you do it? Just don't marry another person in this industry. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> oh, has there been anything that has surprised you coming back into this industry um, after that bit of first act? Yeah, I guess it surprised me. For The first and foremost was how they really wanted older actors. Like, because you don't see it and we complain about it. As women, you know, 40 and over, they're immediately saying there's no roles for us. I was actually surprised at how many roles there were available. And actually, when you get to that white-haired grandmother stage, there's even more, which is great. Because a lot of people have either fallen off at that point or not too many people come in at around that age. Mm. So there's a little bit smaller pool, which, which surprised me. The other thing was how important the social media stuff is. I had no idea how, and I've actually been asked in auditions or even when filling out forms, what are your Instagram and your Twitter handle and how many followers do you have? I'm like, really? And I did ask, I got a chance to ask that to a casting director from the United States, from Los Angeles. And they were like, yeah, unfortunately, he said it's starting to change. But right now it is a huge um, sway. If you've got mm-hmm. followers, then you're bringing an already you're bringing an audience with you already, an established audience. However, he said that is slowly and thankfully changing because they tried this with YouTubers. They had all these YouTube stars. They started pulling them, going, "They've got millions of viewers. Cool, let's put them in movies." The thing is, YouTubers don't go see movies. They watch YouTube clips. So they're starting to finally figure it out. Oh, not only was it a bad movie and terrible acting because they're not actors, (laughs) no one came to see it. Duh. So it's like, so thankfully it's apparently moving, but I'm still, you know, getting that, you know, we loved you for the part, but we went with a name. And, or we went with somebody who's got tons of followers and, and, you know, huge Mm -hmm. following. I'm like, okay, that catch 22. Yeah, it's funny. I just saw I just saw casting that went through, and uh, I mean, by the time this airs, it will have been gone. But they were looking for like a female host for something, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, that sounds great!" Like my agent loves to submit me for host stuff, but they're like, "Must have, not required, but hint, hint, must have more than twenty five thousand followers on Instagram." Oh and that was like part of it. They're like, wow. "Any ethnicity, no hosting experience necessary." 25 plus 25,000 plus followers on Instagram. I was like, huh. That was, that was like one of the first times I'd seen an actual casting requirement. Yeah. I mean, requirement. I, they say, yeah, it's crazy. So that We're, shocked yeah. me. Yeah. And I don't like it. it <laughs> no, I don't like it either. Well, and one, because I, yeah. And I mean, people will say, no, it doesn't really matter. But you know, my agent's been very upfront with that. She's like, yeah. She's like, I've had casting directors come and they've like, scoped social media and they've been like yeah we went with such and such like you were saying because they were a bit more of a quote-unquote name but it's it's interesting what you're saying about age in the industry and I've talked to other people um you know I was chatting with Helen Tansy the headshot photographer and she does a big um she has a book about uh, called Sundari Women where she's photographed people women over the age of 40 to kind of like celebrate aging in the industry and um I remember when I was looking for an agent when I was getting in and I'm not quite 40 but I am very very close um and I remember talking to my now agent and she was interested in signing me and I had been through tons of agents already saying no and so I was shocked when she wanted to sign me because she's you know just a great agent and I'm like well I know there's there's tons of me out there you know 30 something white female (laughs) and she's like yes but also no because the atrophy rate for 30-something females in this industry is extremely high Mm. because if they've especially been through this as their first act, gone through, like you were saying, in their 20s and now just getting like kind of discouraged with the industry and they're like, you know what? I think I'm done. Like you were saying, once you hit 40, you get the mom 40 rolls. Left, right, and center. Yeah, and they're here for the here for the taking. Exactly. I'm I'm here for it. I'll be mom forty till the cows come home. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you get. I mean, as long as you come in with that that wonderful uh, attitude that you have with, yeah, I'll take it. And and on top of that, you can find ways to make it interesting for you. I have a bucket list mm-hmm. of the types of moms I want to play now. Yeah. Like, and I've and I've had some. Like, I'm still waiting for the Italian mom because I would be a great Italian mom. But I've played a Greek mom and I've and I've played um, uh, lots of Hispanic moms, obviously. But it's one of these things where, like, I now have a bucket list of moms I want to play, types of moms. And I and getting to play the cougar, um, getting to play, like, all the, the MILF and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so embracing that. 
that, getting excited about the fact, yes, I've been put in a box, but I'm going to have a lot of fun in this box. Yeah, this box is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, and people are going to want to join me in this exactly. box. <laughs> Speaking of the roles that you've played, have you? Do you have any uh, memorable, funny? memories times on set I've got a few and I was thinking about this too about some of the weirdest things that I've done I guess uh I and you know what really came up for me things that happened to other people (laughs) and I was like no I can't tell those stories uh I guess the one of the ones that was just that kind of thing when you shake your head and go gosh what we do for our art um I was in a uh, music video and it's got millions of views it's a it's a, a really established um Latino uh, Latin band called Bomba Estéreo, and it's called Internacionales. Um, like they have done videos with like Will Smith and stuff. They've won you know, the the one before that won the Cons Directing Award. Like they're they're really really established, so they get millions and millions of people. So I knew it was going to be a really cool thing. It was a non union at the time. Uh, I was still non union, and uh, so it was a sh- it was a music video that took me to Hong Kong and Morocco and and Hamilton, Ontario. So it was a, it was a whirlwind <laughs> ride around the world. So in Morocco, the Hong Kong was great. They had professional fixers. It was a great production. Um, but Morocco apparently was one of these very kind of backroom deal. The, the head of their union was like the same guy. The family all voted him in. Like it was, and he was terrible. So they didn't get the right equipment. Everything was crazy. And just th- there was a scene where they needed to do a green screen. They said, we have to go. We have to get up at like four in the morning. We got to be there at five. And I was like, okay. So we're leaving the hotel and they're ha- they have ladders. And we're like walking through the t- quiet, dark streets of Morocco going to um, Fez, which is a, the oldest, oldest, largest city in the world. And we're going through these like cavernous things. We get to this thing. Then they lean the ladder. It's middle of the night, basically. We're crawling up these ladders to go into this almost like amphitheater thing. I think it was maybe a soccer field, but it was all stone and really old. And we crawl over this fence. They set it up. By the time the, the you know the equipment comes, they get it all set up. The sun is now up. They're trying they're trying to do it before the sun because it's unbelievable heat, and we're in this in the middle of this plain field. So then they set it up. Then their arguing starts again. The guide not only didn't bring the right stuff, it didn't even have like the right pulley system to to. They needed to hoist me up in front of it because I lo- had to look like I was flying. They had a harness like something you would get from like roofing or like a safety belt. It wasn't a harness that raises you up. So they're like tucking towels into my costume to try. To not chafe my like everything, <laughs> so I'm like padded up. Then they try to squeeze me in the costume. They and then they had four guys on the ground who had to physically. They had one little pulley and raise me up. They're like, we're gonna try to do this as fast as we can. And everything, and I'm just like. Oh I could let like, I now I couldn't die. I could get injured. It's one of those things. And I said, and I handed my phone to someone. I'm like, get a picture of this because no one's gonna. Be. And you can see all four guys with the rope and they're one, two, three, huh? <laughs> and I did my scene. But I'm like, what? Again, non-union. Like there have been so many non-union moments when at, at, you you went through that non-union world, right? First, yep. where it's just like this is crazy what we're doing right now. I've had friends that were like walk in and there's a tiger and they're like they're like stand next to the tiger and they're like no and they're like because well you knew there was a tiger well there's a, in the script I thought it was going to be CGI like I didn't know there would be a lot they're like it's fine it's probably fine like he's eaten so it's probably it's going to be fine and he was like call my agent I want an extra thousand dollars and they, he actually did a lot of actors would have been like okay and okay. Now, nothing happened but he was smart enough to at least say nope call my agent I want more money yeah. and he got it <laughs> We're crazy. What we do for our art. I know. What we do for our art and also what we do because we want to be seen as happy to be here and easy to work with. Yeah, I don't want to cause trouble. And you're like, um, tiger. (laughs) Flying through the air on a a random harness in Morocco. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So you've talked about your wonderful family and support system. How would they describe what you do for a living? Something crazy. <laughs> I mean, I even telling my kids I, I was a teacher. They're like, "No, you're not." I'm like, "I have a school." Like, I will let I will have you know. They they're like because the the world of what a teacher is in their world and what I do is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, they know I'm absolutely crazy. I think it's the detriment to my 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 
my high schoolers, my two older ones are just like, uh, they are so teased because of some of the roles that I've done. Like I'm the pizza pop hot mom. And so <laughs> thousands of comments of like milf and, I'm, and he's like, oh, no. and so a lot of their friends refer to me as the, uh, their hot mom and stuff, and the pizza pop hot mom. And they're, so they're devastated. So they don't really get what I do, why I would want to do it. They're not uh, look at me, look at me, any of them. Um, they have done a couple of wonderful projects because I pulled them in. I'm like, I got a kid. I can pull this kid. Or, uh, and they did voice. All of them had some a great voiceover career when they were cute little voices. So they've been in it enough to understand what I'm doing, but no concept of what I do. So they look at me and what I do is crazy. It's just crazy. Crazy mom, crazy stuff she does. They don't get it. My husband also, he's an introvert. He has no idea why I do it. <laughs> well, and I think I was just thinking about like the energy you bring to everything. Um, you know, now, like, I wonder, was there pressure when you were kind of in your 20s? Is, the, is that pressure kind of gone now? Like, so you can just kind of relax into like the fun roles that you get thrown at you as opposed to being like, must book, must do this stress. Like, I don't know what I'm asking, but I don't know. I just feel, I know for me personally, the pressure is off. And I mean, I never, I didn't have the acting dreams when I was younger, but I just feel like now I'm like, it's kind of like what you're saying with sales, right? If you get rejected, I'm like, okay, next. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like, no. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Kind of. I mean, it's, it's, I, I'm, (laughs) I am in this kind of limbo of, I don't think, yeah, my 20s, I'm like, I have to make it. I have to move to New York for a couple of years. I have to move to LA. I have to make it. So those kind of, that kind of feeling has dissipated. I do have a little bit of, uh, uh, what's that word? That feeling that just makes you go, Steph, you're half, your life, your life is half over. Like, shit, you're 50 now. Uh, Get on you know, you better get on with this because it's going to be over Mm. soon. So I do have that nagging thought in my head. Like if it hasn't happened yet, is it going to happen at all? And then, but you're right. It is a sort of settling in because things are starting to fall in place. I'm getting parts. uh, I'm getting more recognition. My writing has taken off. Um, So it's one of those things where, and and people keep telling me, my agents, other people, it's coming, Stephanie. Like we know. And the people that have been with me forever have go, here it comes. This is it. I'm like, okay, calm down. Wait until I get that contract signed uh, kind of thing. So it's one of these, it, it feels like it's, at the right place. And when, whenever I feel like that nagging, like, oh, if I'd only, you know, not had kids and gone to LA and maybe made it that all that kind of, you know, maybe I should have, would have, could have kind of thing. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's happening. I truly trust in that it's happening at the right time because me at 20 going to LA is a completely different thing than me as a grounded 50 year old woman that's had a family that's had a life going to LA completely Mm -hmm. different. And I think it serves me better that I did take the route that I did. So I think the pressure is off (laughs) to answer your question in so many different ways. I would have been a mess. I would have been a cokehead. I was so desperate for attention in my twenties and, and wanting to do the right thing that I probably would have fallen very fast and hard and, and gotten my heart broken and stomped on. And mm-hmm. yeah, I would have been out with the trash. <laughs> well, I think there's a one, there's now a life to pull stories from, mm-hmm. right? So you can build characters and build, build story because you've lived a lot of things and experienced a lot of emotions that I know, you know, back in my twenties, I was not experiencing but also there's a feeling of this is me (laughs) this is what I look like this is my face this is my body type if you don't like it that's fine yeah (laughs) Uh, that's just what I look like now (laughs) so it's kind of like I I don't know who I'm who am I trying to impress these days I don't know like you know you want to you want to you know introduce yourself to casting directors and you want to do blah 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 be like you know what they know what my face looks like. Yeah. They've seen me on Casting Workbook. Meh. If they don't want to hire me, meh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely the pressure, I think, is off at this point, for yeah. sure. Besides um, marrying a wonderful, wonderful, supportive person, do you have any advice for someone who's interested in uh, getting either back into acting or starting it in there with great wiseness and maturity? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, learn as much as you can. I I love that line. Um, God, who said it? Somebody said, made the point. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have made this point. Acting is the only career that you can wake up and go, 
I think I'll be an actor and then become one. Like you, it's mm-hmm. the only job. You can't wake up and go, I think I'll be a surgeon today and just yeah. go. Like there's there's so much training involved with most things. Acting's the only thing that you can literally walk off the street and get some lines and get paid for it. So it, it unfortunately, a lot of people come to the industry and immediately want to get on a series and start pitching their stuff and, and make it huge instantly, which we did in my 20s. I was working really hard towards that goal as well. So I always and and the really great top echelon of actors they still have coaches and 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 taking classes like I've had so many stories where people have been in classes in LA or or here and uh, well it's mostly in LA and then a famous celebrity walks in taking the class with them and they're like what and they're like yeah I love this class and it's like oh right you don't just say I'm an actor and now you're an actor you have to train and train and consistently train and there was one actor that. Um, I can't remember the movie right now. He was, I think he was a boxer or an MMA fighter or something. He wanted to be uh, an actor. He did not go on an audition. I think it was a year at least, if not two, trained. All he did was take classes and train and study. And then he went on his first audition. And that Mm -hmm. blew me away. I'm like, why are we more doing that? Because anybody can walk in and audition. And, and, you know, most agents, if you got a cool look, agents will scoop you up throw you in a room and then you're learning by default and by tripping over your feet. Oh, I won't do that again in a room in front of people. Why not do it in a classroom and and like keep learning? So I always stress to people, once you start getting roles, the learning doesn't stop. I still take workshops. I still work with coaches. I still like, so that's my, my biggest advice to anyone. Keep learning, keep, stay the eternal student through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you're looking forward to coming up this year? Uh, my, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I had some really meaty roles that I'm really excited about. I just got off a, an amazing uh, Christmas movie called Well Suited for Christmas, which was like the like a dream role. I was a supporting character. I was like you know, number four oh. on the call sheet. So I was like, yeah, it's, that's there. So I was there for the three weeks. It was phenomenal. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that coming out acting wise. Um, then on the other side with the writing, I've been, I, I pivoted during, COVID and started writing for kids animation and it it's worked for me. So I'm working on a, a new show. I don't know if I can name it yet, but it's a Sony Pictures. It was a, a movie, an animated movie. They're turning it into a TV series. Um, I got to write on Peanuts this year, uh, Camp Snoopy this year, which was like to be typing. And then Snoopy walks over. It was like mind blowing uh, for me. Uh, but this new one, I'm I'm a, like I'm a regular series writer. So I've got three scripts going right now. So that I'm really excited for to see that. Um, and my originals are being pitched around. Like, I mean, I've had some great interest with CBC, I've, CBS looked at one of my originals and really liked it and um hallmark was considering one of my uh pitches as well right to the end so it's one of those things where again that's another like i can feel it i can feel it that it's gonna it's gonna happen at this point so the writing is what i'm really excited about wow that's so cool can i ask with writing <clears throat> excuse me i know <laughs> voice issues um how did you how do you how do like aspiring writers i know you you worked you did playwriting was your degree mm-hmm. Like, how do aspiring writers start to build and get their work and their stories into the hands of somebody like CBC and CBS? Like, how did you build that momentum? Uh, I, I get I got an agent. <laughs> really, CB, CBC yeah. will talk to anybody, honestly. <laughs> They're really, Bell Media, you can get pitches with them. Like, you can totally go in a room and pitch them. It's really when it comes down to your work, and I didn't, I really wanted to make sure my work was prime. So what's wonderful about my agency, Real Life Pictures, Inc., they um, they really focus on diversity. So that was wonderful to be in um, uh, an organization. They do have, like, your typical cisgender uh, white males, a few of them. But most of it is diverse across cultures and and uh, um, ethnicities and, and um, sexuality and everything. So we've got this nice little bubble <laughs> of everybody in it, which is wonderful. And we do script reads. So you can literally, it goes out, they cast everybody. And we as readers will read it. And then we give our notes. Then we put on our writer's caps and literally give constructive notes, which is great. So that's wonderful. Workshopping your material is key. Get people to hear it, read it, give you notes, take those notes. And 
not be precious with your work. Like I've had scripts mm. that have been changed. And somebody warned me about that, one of the scripts I was working on. And he said, just wait, because that's going to change. That he had a script that was, it was werewolves and then it became aliens. And then it became like, and he said, it's just cha-. like, you think, oh, this is such a good idea. It's such a good script. And he goes, by the time it's finished, it's not anything like your first draft. So really don't be precious about it. Really shape it. And I have seen a lot of my scripts go, but I love this. And then by the end of it, yeah, it's better. It's a better. It's totally not this, but I can pull those pieces that I really love that I had to drop and I'll throw it in something else. It's not a big deal. I can still use those gags somewhere else. So it's really about finding an agent that will take you on. And before that, it's all about the writing and getting into work. And there's tons, there's tons of workshop, like just groups of writers that say, let's every week we get together and we read someone's scripts and we help and we help shape it. Um, I I went through the BIPOC film and TV, which if people are um, uh, identify as BIPOC, the BIPOC film and TV is phenomenal. They've got great programs. And through that, I found out about the kids TV writing boot camp. Um, I didn't get accepted but that's okay. But what's what's great about them is that they said, do you want to audit? I was like, absolutely. And there were like about 40 of us that audited the course. So I watched every single, like I watched, I was there, I was in the course. We just couldn't turn our camera on and ask questions uh, on site. But it was, um, I reached out to every guest lecturer. Some of them have read my scripts. Like I really, I mean, I'm a salesperson, right? So (laughs) like I'm there, I'm making deals and and getting people to look at my stuff. Um, And I did all the homework. So at the end of it, I had my spec script ready. I was like, I'm doing this. And so it's it's having that chutzpah. It's really taking the initiative. And then when I said to my agent, I'm ready, I've got spec scripts. Then she went to all the production houses and introduced me. And I got Zoom meetings with all of these production houses introducing myself, my energy, my originals. Here's my spec script. And they, uh, by the time I had a second round, I was, um, somebody else had suggested, hey, have you talked to so-and-so? And I said, I have. It was like several months ago. By the time I had her, she goes, oh no, Stephanie, you're on my radar. She not only remembered me, I'm on her radar. She's like, this is a small world. Like I just am waiting to be able to drop you somewhere. So it's making, getting out there and, and making new connections in so many other areas of this industry is such a smart thing to do. Um, they're all friends on LinkedIn. I'm like just LinkedIn crazy. I don't go on and post a lot there, but if you go to my LinkedIn page, I've got a lot of connections and a lot of production companies as far as like Ireland and stuff. Like I've got so many connections in these areas, just reminding, just connecting, networking, networking as much as I can. And I think my initial, my gut thought was, wow, that's so brave, so brave to reach out to all these people. But like, I don't know, bravery, that sounds so patronizing thing to say. But again, it's that it's it's the saleswoman. Mm -hmm. But I think also knowing that it's not like the sleazy used car salesperson, right? Like you have something to offer. You've got the skills to back it up, the talent to back it up. Like, what's the worst they're gonna say? No, no. Yeah. Okay, move on, yeah, right? Exactly. But I think I think there's a big block for a lot of people, especially creatives and like getting past that hurdle of recognizing that these industry professionals are also human and want to make nice human connections with other humans. Absolutely. And there was one gentleman that I thought he was so dynamic. He was so fun. And immediately I reached out to him and said, I'd love a meeting. He's like, sure. We booked a meeting um, like that week. Uh, We pop up on Zoom. And so there were about 40 people auditing, 20 people that got into the course. There's like 60 people online watched him. And then I said, thank you so much for taking the time. And he said, Stephanie, you were the only one. And I went, pardon? He goes, you're the only one that reached out to me after that. He's like, you're going far. Wow. You think that people are scrambling. There's not that many people scrambling to do what they need to do. I don't even know if a lot of those 20 people finish their spec script. I heard sort of kind of mumblings like, you know, they would say, okay, just a reminder to contact your mentor. A lot of you haven't contacted your mentors. And I'm like, I wanted that. I wanted that spot. And they're just wasting it um, because I wanted a mentor. So it was, it it was, it's eye opening to think, well, am I bothering people? Am I doing too, am I asking for too much? No, sometimes you're the only person asking. So it's better to ask (laughs) a try. Do you have any other final words of wisdom? Um, No pressure. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I would, I guess also find it's tricky to find a job and not to be closed off to jobs that will support you while you're in your career. I I feel like I lucked out, but I really opened myself up. I have a friend who I met through one of my 
uh, uh, one of my screen agents, uh, they had a production company together. He had he has an insurance company. Um, he also was a co-owner of Raven Banner, the distribution company. Uh, he, those are all high school buddies of his. And he, um, so we were at, we became friends. I'd pull him onto film festival panels and talk about insurance. And so one day we were out to lunch and, and he's, and I just joined Actra. So all of my jobs dried up because no, none of those casting yep. directors knew who I was. And I was like panicked. And he's like, let's go to lunch. I haven't seen you in a while. He's like, so how's the union? And I just was like, I'm going to have to waitress again. I'm too old for this. And I was like panicked. And he was like, oh, I've been wanting to offer you a job. And I'm like, selling insurance? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, ew, no. <laughs> and he's like, no, think about it, Stephanie. You'll get a salary. You also get your commission. And I was like, but my job, my career. And he goes, no, no, no. I want you to stay in the industry. You're going to head my entertainment division. So it would look really good. You'll be the only broker that's actually in the industry and doing. And I was like, oh, by the time I'm in my car, I'm driving home to ask my husband's opinion. But I know I'm like, he, he's going to say, take the goddamn job, Stephanie. And I did. And I haven't looked back. And it's one of those things where if I had thought going in, like, maybe I could do insurance. Like, no one thinks that. Uh, no one wants to be an insurance broker. Um, they, it's not the, you know, they want to be a princess or a fireman or a police officer. Like, the no one goes, I want to be an insurance broker. So it was something that was put in front of me. And instead of just going, ah, ugh, I examined it. I went and met the other brokers. I got my, he, uh, I got my license and it, I haven't looked back. It's been such a secure, wonderful thing that while I'm on set, I'm the one that flipping up my laptop uh, between takes and I'm working and people are like, what? That's so brilliant. I'm like, yeah, but so I guess my advice is really be open to other avenues, other jobs that could support you while you're doing it and actually work in your favor. And now when I go to TIFF party, when I go back to TIFF parties, <laughs> when, when I was TIFF before COVID, I'm handing out cards, not as, hi, I'm an actor, please hire me. I'm hire. Can I save you on your insurance, on your production mm. insurance? And now I've, again, my Rolodex grew dramatically because I was talking to bigger and bigger, higher echelon people in the film industry. And then occasionally they'll, they'll send me an email. You know what? I got a role I think you'd like to that you should really check out and vice versa. I've been on set when they're like, oh, you do insurance? Can I get your card? I got to get all my, I got to get my production insurance. I'd love you to take a look. So it's worked both ways. So really be open to finding, to considering other jobs that will support your, your love, your passion. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Stephanie, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much for taking time out of your, I know, very busy and exciting schedule to share your story with me and with all of us. If you celebrate Christmas, I hope you all have a merry, merry Christmas and a happy holiday season. We've got lots of episodes coming up when the chaos of the holiday season settles down. I'm not changing the schedule. We got another one coming out next Friday. I hope you'll tune in. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!